Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Friday, December 2nd, 2022. I am John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary Magazine, and it is that time of the year. So I'm going to start today just by saying you're going to hear me this month asking you pretty much on a daily basis to consider making commentary part of your annual giving. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We provide you with this podcast for free. We do not provide you with a subscription to the magazine or to reading our material on the website for free. Uh, but uh, we, like all nonprofit institutions, rely on the generosity of those who feel that they get some merit and benefit from the organization to continue doing what we are doing. People have been very generous over the years. The Going to the five-day-a-week podcast two and a half years ago uh, accelerated that even more, but it is very important for us to continue doing what we're doing to have the support of our listeners. If you go to commentary.org slash donate, that is the easiest way to provide us with the kind of resources that we need to keep doing this podcast on a daily basis uh, uh, for the foreseeable future. So uh, please consider what I'm saying. Take it seriously. Commentary.org slash donate. I'll be telling you more as the month progresses. With me, as always, Executive Editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media Commentary Columnist and American Enterprise Institute Fellow Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Uh, first, I also want to um, apologize for a stupid mistake I made yesterday. I was trying to make this analogy about pitchers being uh, figured out by by uh, opposing teams uh, and saying that this is sort of what happened with Trump and the political system, that he came out of nowhere and baffled everybody and ran the table, and then the political system figured him out and his record since has been disastrous. And I use the uh, example of the pitcher, Mark Fidrich of, uh, and it turns out that uh, I, that was a dumb mistake on my part, uh, misremembering my youth. This is a real phenomenon of the rookie pitcher that baffles everybody until people figure out what is going on with him. But Fidrich was um, a more complicated case than that. Uh, and I apologize for uh, that, that mistake. I do want to say one more thing. Uh, I, in particular, make some uh, pretty stupid mistakes over the course of the week. We we generally do about five and a half hours of podcasting a week. Like I said, that the, the synagogue in Turo that George Washington wrote his letter to was in Massachusetts. It's in Rhode Island. I know it's in Rhode Island. I visited it in Rhode Island uh, this year. So... Uh, but, you know, it's like there's a lot of talk going on over the course of these weeks. And and uh, and uh, I'm not, you know, we're not sort of doing homework before we do the podcast. So I hope you will be forbearing. And just remember that anything that I in particular say is not uh, something that should be considered either holy read or something that's been extensively fact-checked. Okay, so... Uh, with with that, where do we want to go from here? I think we want to talk a little about the the uh, uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about Kanye West on Alex Jones's show with Nick Fuentes, which is to say, uh, if you 
if you were in hell, this is what would be broadcast on, on, on television 24 hours a day on every channel. And then you would be strapped in a chair like in a clockwork orange with things um, forcing you to have your, your eyelids open so that you well, couldn't even blink. When Alex Jones is the voice of reason on a panel, then you know you've descended into something pretty murky. Um, uh, he, he was also, uh, Kanye was also just suspended from Twitter again uh, for posting um, swastika. I mean, he just went well, full swastika on. Inside a, inside inside of a star of David. David yeah. a Jewish David. Yeah. He, he is, he's gone full Holocaust denial. He's gone full praising of Hitler, um, which actually people, it's funny, people are like, oh, how shocking. We didn't think it was that bad. But, you know, uh, people were signaling this when he started down this path months ago, saying, you know what, he, he's, he's going to go full Hitler apologist. And everyone said, oh, no, that's an overreaction. Well, here he is going full Hitler apologist, strangely wearing a, a, a full head covering mask where you couldn't see any of his features just ranting um and it's horrifying this 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 should not uh, it's horrifying it's just horrifying and i hope he gets the mental health help he clearly needs but i also hope he people stop amplifying what he's saying because this is this is very bad he he's not going to get the mental health that he needs the his his wealth shields him from any effort that can be made to compel him to get the help that he needs he doesn't want help he maybe he's bipolar or some fashion we don't know and so he's therefore in some kind of particularly manic state and people in those states enjoy the feeling that they have when they're in those states and so i i, I think this notion where people say oh it's really sad he really needs help yeah yeah you know he doesn't need help he doesn't need it would be nice for him to get help who cares whether he gets help or not? He's a monster. He's an yeah, animal. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, you can feel he bad is, for him, but he shouldn't be inciting violence. Yes. he is. He is openly inciting violence against Jews. I don't want to. I. I. I feel like a couple months ago, I felt a certain level of compassion for him spinning off his, you know, axis like this. Uh, but now he is a threat to me and my family and my people. And um, and you know, this is this is no longer funny and it is now 13 years since he stormed the stage when taylor swift had the audacity to win an award that he thought beyonce should get and it was right there at that moment that the world should have known and you know that's why they shouldn't have made sneaker deals with him and they shouldn't have gone into business with him in the first place and they all did because you know they're just looking for the main chance and i hope for people who have found themselves in the position of you know making a, a a deal with the devil like this that they that they take a massive hit to their bottom line for having associated themselves with him in the first place but the, and there's also something here that no one in the mainstream media wants to talk about but that is clear and present the the other little bit of uh the other little information dropped yesterday was uh some footage of for of now senator not at a center at the time, Ralph Warnock giving a speech at Chautauqua where he praised Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam, an, another notorious anti-Semite. And there is a look, there is a problem with anti-Semitism in the African-American community in this country. It is of long standing. Everyone knows it. Nobody really wants to talk about it. There's also horrible anti-Semitism on the extreme right, um, white nationalist type anti-Semitism. These are two problems. They have a they have a similar focus of their hatred, similar uh, danger they're creating for Jews in this country. But 
we're not talking about the fact that 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 a lot of Kanye's remarks you could find you can find strains of over the last few decades in African-American pop culture among, you know, look, people like Ice Cube who post all kinds of anti-Semitic stuff. I mean, this is a problem of longstanding and it's time to talk about what to do about that community's issue of anti-Semitism as well. I personally don't think anyone's going to want to tackle that or touch it with a 10 foot pole. It's much easier to blame this all on the far on the extreme right, which is, itself poses a real danger. But this is this is a problem. It's a problem that needs to be tackled. I'm just going to add the, that it wasn't 2009 that we should have known when Kanye was a problem. It was 2005 well, that's during, true. A, during a uh, fundraiser for Hurricane Katrina when he said live on television, George W. Bush hates black people. Um, and that was sort of acceptable to say at that particular moment, in part because we have something in our culture that refuses to believe that what we're seeing when we're seeing this kind of manic episodes from people who are displaying divergent behaviors is some sort of rare species of genius, particularly when it reflects things that they think, but don't feel like they're allowed to say out loud. And we do this all the time on Twitter. Long COVID is a species of this. People who are in distress, psychological distress, who are saying things that advance your political agenda, and they're saying them in ways you wish you could say, but you're too restrained. You have too many breaks uh, on your on your uh, id, and they don't. And that you like that. You kind of want to encourage it, but it's detrimental to them. Doesn't do your cause any good. And we should have seen it coming. And everybody who is conscious of what that what that event meant. The look of liability in Mike Myers' face is the same look that you saw in the eyes of uh, uh, Alex Jones yesterday. Well, we need their, to their own culpability that flashes was, before their eyes. Yeah. So this was a this was a uh, uh, nationally televised. I think all four networks. I think broadcasted at the same time, fundraising for New Orleans and Louisiana and the affected places in Hurricane Katrina and. Mike Myers was standing next to Kanye when Kanye started to rant. And he has this indelible expression of this just all went off the rails. This was an effort to create a sort of unity moment in America to help people. And this has now turned into something else. And what on earth do I do while I'm standing here? That's what, what, you know what what went on then but that's right so it's now been so you know if we use your your time frame it's 17 years in which kanye's um inappropriate behavior uh has been what would you call it um you know uh, enabled uh by by a uh culture that um only decided four or five years ago that he was doing things that were discomforting to them. Like now remember it, it was just 2017, 2018 that he and his then wife, Kim Kardashian were at the white house to celebrate uh, Donald Trump's um, uh, signing of uh, prison reform stuff or active acting on prison reform with the, hardening of uh eddie bernice johnson this uh drug deal someone who had been convicted of drug i can't remember the specifics of the case but um but you know he was there with the president of the united states in you know in the oval office and even then it was pretty clear that he was an ambulatory schizophrenic i mean i can't remember what the specific circumstances were but that's all fine 
as long as you're popular, apparently. Well, that's the thing. Um, this this there's a sort of freak show culture that was created by the the corporations that decided that they wanted him as a spokesman way back when, <clears throat> before before the anti-Semitic stuff, even even you know ju- just the the other unhinged things he said. So he he is now sort of getting slapped around by the culture that he he in part created. Um, the the getting attention part continues to happen. I mean, he's going on shows. People are giving him a platform. And every time he has a platform and he says something, uh, yeah, a lot of people say this is horrible. This is disgusting. This is monstrous. And a lot of people say, also say, you know, though, but how do you get uh, people to suddenly stop banking? Uh, that's a lot of power. How, do, how does you know, you say one thing against the Jews and, and suddenly you your 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 wealth is, is cut in half and you can't you can't do business here and you can't do business there. There is something to that. Um, so all of this, no matter how freakish, no matter how much of you want to say it's a sideshow, um, makes inroads into sort of the mainstream discussion in 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 awful ways. It would be one thing if if this freaky culture stayed a sideshow, but it's not. Because the culture itself is made up of this sort of crazy kaleidoscope of of pathology, um, you get this. All this makes inroads into the kind of into the mainstream. Uh, that's that's a, a a very good point. It also means that when you get to the point where this has to be dealt with almost as a form of triage, like I say, that Kanye Kanye's access to the public mind uh needs to be uh you know there needs to be some interposition between him and the public mind this is why he's making he is it- now because he is now actually inciting people to actual violence but this is why he's this is why when he did this as a pop culture person as a musical performer or whatever like that a lot of his cash flow uh, could be could and platforms could be removed but now he's saying he's a politician oh i'm running for president so suddenly yeah. that gives him opens up a whole bunch of other very often nefarious places that he can spout right. his venom um but it does i i found that transition really interesting because that's why he's now seeing himself more as a political figure rather than a than a uh, musician right but but i think the point is that when you get to this this level where it's like oh my god like you got to do something because people may get killed as a result of the way he is behaving and indeed and and be by the response to the way he's behaving which is we can no longer have any you know truck with this guy it's you know everything we believe in and just simple decency and you know uh, common sense about how to make sure that terrible things don't happen is now activated that is that's why we have guardrails to begin with is so that we don't get seven we don't get like seven steps down the path before someone goes oh my god this guy is crazy and we don't know what he's going to do and terrible things could happen like the minute that somebody like him shows a little leg, that's when you're supposed to say, I can't do business with him. Like, this is just not, I don't know where this ends. And uh, people like him have gotten passes for years. And particularly if they 
uh, you know, if they can claim some form of cultural victimization of their own, where, where, you know, simply by dint of being black or something like that, where, well, you know, it's sort of understandable because of the black experience in America that somebody should be really angry or somebody should feel this way about George W. Bush or whatever. It's like, I just, this is not say it. This is not, uh, the safe choice isn't to make a sneaker with Kanye West. First of all, the whole point is he's not designing the sneaker and he, you're the sneaker person. And so you could find somebody else to endorse the sneaker. If you have an idea for a sneaker, you know, it's not like it's actually isn't like him, which is how he got the level of wealth that he has received. It's ancillary products. It's, fashion and stuff like that it's not his music didn't make a billion dollars off his music dr dre didn't make a billion dollars off his music he made it off headphones like it's you have it's a weird phenomenon that we're talking about here it's that people get rich not off the things that they do that people might go i don't want to really listen to him anymore that much because it's making me uncomfortable it's here, sell me your name and your likeness and your visage, and we'll pretend that you make this sneaker, and everybody will buy this sneaker. But if that's the case, then the celebrity who is associated with the sneaker is kind of interchangeable. Not entirely, because you need someone with a very particular kind of cultural cachet. And maybe if you're a sneaker company, you're worried that another sneaker company is going to pick up this guy. But if we had guardrails, no sneaker company would make a sneaker with somebody like Kanye West after the way he behaved in the 2000s before, you know, before he became this figure of untold wealth. Just in a weird, we're in a weird area here. I just want to add to, to, to Christine's point about this larger issue about uh, anti black anti-Semitism, nation of Islam. Uh, Virtually everything Kanye is saying comes straight from Nation of Islam rhetoric, Nation of Islam and and other uh, sort of black supremacist uh, uh, organizations, and is it's largely um, characterized as as coming from white uh, supremacist organizations. But uh, everything, including praise for Hitler, is 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 which 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 is a perfect echo of of Farrakhan himself, um, and. A lot of the passes that you're talking about that 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 are given are currently be, being given to all sorts of other people who never said they like Donald Trump. Uh, you can still get a pass for saying that, that you support Louis Farrakhan. Uh, uh, people you mentioned uh, Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, big, def big defender of uh, Louis Farrakhan. He's doing TV shows with Martha Stewart. I mean, you know, he's embraced as a sort of cuddly a uh, pop culture figure. How about look at look look at all that, you know, and and not just wait for the person that you hate politically uh, uh, to to explode. But I think this is important to bring up in relation to what Christine was saying about Raphael Warnock, the uh, current and probably who knows future senator from from Georgia. So in this speech at the Chautauqua that he made in 2013, he praises the Nation of Islam for somehow making Christi black Christianity more honest. I mean, that 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 is that is the clip that is circulating as him saying, you know, we owe a lot to the nation of Islam because they sort of pointed out 
that Christianity was racist and a lot of black Christian ministers, meaning like him, had to learn to find a different way to talk about this because otherwise they were simply engaging in white supremacy. This is an astonishing thing to say about a cult, an American cult run by a con artist uh, named Wallace Fard and then by Louis Farrakhan and people like that, whose doctrine is that white people were ginned up in a lab by a by an evil scientist. Like that is the that is the foundational belief of the nation of Islam. That's 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 one foundation. The other foundational belief is that the Jews are not. This is a foundational belief. Yeah. The Jews are not the Jews. The Jews uh, swindled black people out of their birthright as Jews. Yeah. Yeah, some swindling. That was a great. That yeah. was a great deal that the Jews made, because <laughs> Jews really had a great two thousand years. You know, right. nineteen hundred years or so. You know, particularly you know till about seventy six years ago, Jews really benefited from their status as, and standing as Jews. It is a sort of amazing thing, anyway. But the point is, yeah, this kind of we really owe a great debt to the nation of Islam. Oh yeah, it's been really great for a lot of people the the existence of the nation it's really you know i people can believe whatever they want to believe all religions if you sort of boil them down to a lot of their precepts you know look crazy when you when you stand outside them but um but actually for a minister <laughs> for a minister of the christian gospel to talk this way about the nation of Islam, which is also by the way hostile to christianity um I mean, it's just, you know, it has this quality of anything that anybody does, you know, as long as they can claim victimization, anything that they do is just perfectly fine. We should not also forget our, our and I say this obviously with heavy sarcasm, our friends, the black Hebrew Israelites, who have also been showing up in force both to support Kanye and to spout their, uh, again, in, extremely anti-Semitic, very, very uh, racist rhetoric uh, all over the place. They all showed up in New York, uh, I guess, outside Madison Square Garden when he was going to be there. Outside the like, Barclays Center in yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Barclays when, Center Ky when Kyrie Irving was going to play when the Irving first was, game after yes. his suspension yeah. for the promotion of this anti-Semitic video. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but it's not a problem, folks. Let's just focus on, you know, but look, the black yeah. Hebrew Israelites really are like this. You know, they are a they're bananas. They're just they're like the Westboro. Totally I mean, they're a tiny fringe thing. That is not the case with the Nation of Islam. Right. I mean, people remember the Nation of Islam was the private security force of the until Barack Obama, you know, the most successful black candidate for president in American history, Jesse Jackson, the fruit of Islam, this, you know, self-defense force inside that was providing was the was providing security at Jesse Jackson events in 1984 when he ran for president, and then famously told Milton Coleman of the or notoriously told Milton Coleman of the Washington uh, post that you know all the Jews should go back to Jaime Town, as Jesse Jackson himself said. By the way, if you want to know about the um, the uh, not eschatology but the political science of the Nation of Islam, uh, they, they they their design or their their vision of the future is the division of America into three zones. Uh, there's sort of the black zone and the white zone, and there's something called Zog, which is the Zionist occupational government. And, uh, you know, that's a whole thing. There are maps and there's a whole, you know, there's the whole kind of 
worldview here. Um, and the capital of Zog is, of course, Town. So just in case you're wondering, Reverend, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, also like Raphael Warnock, using the rhetoric of the Nation of Islam in some bizarre way uh, that um, that at the very least then kind of knocked him out of American po- over the long term, knocked him out of American politics. Uh, let's pull back and uh, take a break. Do you know only one in three Americans believes we can fully exercise our free speech rights? That's why FIRE is stepping up to protect freedom of expression for all Americans, no matter where you're from or what you believe. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, or FIRE, knows free speech makes free people. FIRE will always be a principled, nonpartisan, nonprofit defender of your rights. Join the fight for free speech at www.fire.org thefire.org so there's a lot of legal legal stuff happened yesterday legal stuff all over the place a judge in arizona uh ordered essentially said cochise county this county that was going to refuse to count the vote uh or what, what do you call it canvas or certify the vote of its county in or as a complaint against how maricopa county was counting its votes said you better count your votes now, you know, or you're going to be held in contempt. You Republic, you know, you, you election supervisors. So they, they are, they counted the vote, authorized the vote. The, the, the state is now a fully in, uh, and the re- results of the election will be certified. Another judge in Arizona censured, uh, not censured. What would we say? Uh, uh, imposed sanctioned, I think sanctioned, sanctioned yeah. imposed financial sanctions on the, lawyer i'm trying to remember the details is it the lawyer for carrie lake and the lawyer for someone else who had also filed a a a fraud lawsuit basically saying just spanking these lawyers for even bringing such crap in front of his into his court which good for him more judges need to punish these kinds of frivolous obviously stunt lawsuits because it's the only way you're going to keep them out keep them from clogging up the court system which by the way happened with cochise county because uh cochise county had announced that it was going to file some kind of a lawsuit on its own behalf and announced who the lawyer was this i think was on wednesday night and the lawyer in question who was the guy who was in part behind the count the fake count that in Maricopa County by the what were they called the something warriors or something anyway he's like oh no I'm not uh, I'm not taking that case sorry uh, even he couldn't uh, couldn't handle that so that's number one number two uh, appeals court in uh, uh, Florida um, spanked the judge the district court judge who had created this idea of having a special master to protect Donald Trump's rights with the with the material that was in the boxes at Mar-a-Lago that were uh, that were seized after the execution of a proper warrant uh, by the by the Department of Justice and the FBI, uh, that that decision is, um, which I think was unanimous and included a couple of Trump judges anyway, was like just coruscating. I mean, it's like amazing uh, how you know the notion that because there were some photos of Celine Dion and a golf shirt in the box that therefore Donald Trump's property had been improperly seized and they needed to go through everything piece by piece was preposterous that 
there was no reason to think that the the warrant had been executed improperly, that it had been properly, you know, gone through a magistracy system and all of that. And so there's that. There's more, right? Am I? Am I oh, and then the Supreme Court, the uh, Biden, yeah, the the loan. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. The Supreme Court's going to hear arguments on the student loans loan plan, but it continued the hold on it. it. You're not. He's he's not allowed to execute that plan until they hear the case, which is great. It's great. Yeah. Right. So, any thoughts? Noah. Well, this is why they extended the COVID emergency, right? So we're it's perfect timing because they're not going to hear the case until February, at which point I think the uh, emergency has to be reestablished in March. So we're in in the window. But if the Supreme Court uh, arguments go the other way, then maybe the COVID emergency can finally end. Right. So so you're talking about probably the practical uh, effect here. So they're going to hear the case. I'm talking about a a really ridiculous smokescreen that abuses the public trust and is a direct abuse of power that Congress should intervene against. But yes, that too. Um, So we're in a very interesting. uh, Also, by the way, I think the Trump, the case against the Trump corporation, which doesn't involve Trump, is going to. Oh, what other thing? Trump uh, sent a um, video statement to uh a fundraiser for january 6th defendants you know saying they were being treated very very unfairly that we were now living in a communist country uh because uh, people were arrested uh because uh, there was video of them storming the capitol and they were therefore arrested and this was very very unfair we're not just socialists we've now moved into communism that so unfair very unfair um, so it's interesting, you know, uh, one of the things that happened in 2015 when Trump started running for office that suddenly became very clear was that he had this very peculiarly large early base of support that was a little hard to fathom. Like, as you can see, more f- people as famous or more famous than he, like Kanye or something like that, can run for office and nobody pays the slightest attention or doesn't really you know garner any real support but he was there in the polls at 15 20 percent almost from the moment that he ran and you're trying to figure out what was going on and you know it turned out that he had spent six or seven years being doing a lot of media in places that nobody saw right alex jones being one of those places but others where i guess i had termed this years ago the proletarian media or this kind of like you know world wrestling world of certain world of talk radio this is stuff that roger stone had sort of arranged for him and that he had made this connection to the very people that he was then going to give credit for bringing into the political system these never voting you know non-high school graduate men in particular it's almost like in john but what I, I just want to yeah but i just want to interrupt because because yeah. when you made that point back then i remember it the, the the sort of novel point i thought was that it was it's this other mainstream media yeah it's right, you know we, th- we, we right. think of this one thing as the mainstream media yeah because because that's that's our world there's yeah. another mainstream media yeah. right anyway my point is like maybe there are signs that he is trying to do this in some kind of weirdly accelerated fashion with with extremes now you know that 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 his that the uh oh of course the, he is uh, he needs to write his old yeah. base is gone right. no i mean so, I, he 
Yeah. He knows that he doesn't, he's losing the people who originally were excited about him in 2016. He's lost a lot of those people, a lot right. of those voters. So right. I guess he's he's making the same mistakes a lot of Democrats have made in the past, going to the far edge of their coalition and going, come right. on, guys, let's get really riled up. The far yeah. edge of the, the Republican coalition right now is a horrifying place. And, and every right. decent Republican should be condemning what's happening right now. So so th- this is a dog whistle. The, you know, him saying, give money to these January 6th protesters. It's kind of a, it, 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 in some ways, like it denies him a certain level of plausible deniability about how he feels about all this. Number one. And then I guess number two is uh, he, it's like the election deniers are what the birth to tw- in tw- for 2024, what the birthers were for 2016. It's like this underbelly group of people who believe a certain thing is going on that has denied them, you know, that has sort of created an illegitimacy problem in, in the country. But the thing is that his strength before was that nobody saw it coming. Like he, nobody knew about this mainstream that Abe mentioned, like was invisible to everybody. And now everything that he does is visible. There's he, he has no, he had nothing that he does can be done in private or in secret, including having dinner at Marla, you know, having dinner with somebody is something he might've been able to do privately in 2015 with Nick Fuentes, but uh, no longer. So I don't know. I mean, I think, I think this is more, it's, it's a, it's a real test case on, on the viability of this stuff, Uh, whether the public exposure of it, constant public exposure of it will itself continue to make to push people away rather than have it sneak up on them the way it did the one time that he won anything. Um, let me just uh, take a little break and talk to you if I can about Bolin branch. <clears throat> and listen, uh, you only have two more days to take advantage of this offer. It ends December 4th. The offer is 25% off site wide when you use promo code commentary at bowlandbranch.com. That is for this gift giving season, you can get these buttery 100% finest orga- organic cotton threads on earth that make a difference. You can truly feel night after night, um, free from toxins, pesticides, and harsh chemicals, <clears throat> designs and colors for every bedroom style and mattress size. They have an unmatched softness to start, and they get softer with every single wash. And Bolin Branch gives you a 30-night worry-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all orders. And for the holiday season, their signature sheets come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box. Your gifts will look as special as they feel, and it's an unboxing experience your loved ones will never forget. So give a better night's sleep to everyone on your list with Bolin Branch sheets, 25% off site-wide plus free shipping, and use promo code commentary at B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H.com. Offer ends December 4th. So you got today, tomorrow, and Sunday to give this a shot. And thanks to Mullen Branch for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, what else should we talk about here? Calendar. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So last night, the White House informed uh the democratic national committee members that they want to mix things up for the nominating process in 2024 early 2024 calendar as we understand it iowa caucuses 
New Hampshire primary, South Carolina primary, Nevada primary. Those are the first four that we've all been accustomed to for the last 40 years or so. They want to switch it up. They want South. First of all, they screwed up the dates initially, which tells you how well oiled a process this is. They want South, South Carolina to go first, South Carolina primary on February 6th, followed by Nevada and New Hampshire, both on the 13th, Georgia and Michigan to round out the month. Um, this is all very exciting uh, because it, even if nothing happens, it has the prospect of inviting quite a lot of conflict. First, ditching Iowa and ditching the Iowa caucuses. You should have seen that coming. Iowa hasn't been a representative population of any political coalition for a very long time. In 2020, it took them 24 days to count the vote. It was so complicated based on state delegate equivalents that AP couldn't even make a projection for the course of the month. The DNC chair called for a re-canvas. And in the end, Pete Buttigieg won, followed by Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. Um, you should have seen it coming. Uh, however, when it comes to New Hampshire, uh, there's some interesting conflict here. It is New Hampshire law, state law, that they have the first primary in the nation. And anybody who tries to sneak past him, well, that primary moves up. It's like the it's like Donald Trump's line about the wall. The wall just got 10 feet higher. Primary just got 10 days earlier. Um, if the uh, committee members who seem very inclined towards this because they know how unrepresentative these state populations are of the broader Democratic electorate, they want this. They want to pick a fight. They would be picking it with North uh, um, New Hampshire Republicans because New Hampshire is, has a Republican governor. Democrats and Republicans are completely united on this issue in the state. They will pick this fight and they will have this fight. Um, so if, the, if they really want it, they'll have a fight with New Hampshire Republicans, which has a whole bunch of low stakes um, consequences for everybody who participates in it, which is exactly what you want as a presidential contender. And there's a lot of speculation that um, Chris Sununu, who's leaving the, the office of governor this year, um, would very much like to engage in that sort of fight. So it's an interesting platform for him if they wanted it. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how this works out, but it would totally scramble if it did, scramble all our assumptions about how the early states play and the momentum that early states convey to candidates and just how representative these uh, figures might be. I'm, it is, it's the, there's too many variables to calculate, but I'm reminded of um, the, the things that can go wrong for you when you try to correct the mistakes of the past without, you know, with the unforeseen consequences in 2012, after Ron Paul delivered a very uh, good showing in the early states after the four that we mentioned. Uh, the Republican National Committee got together and said, well, we can't let this happen again. That was a nightmare. We need to elevate more moderate states and the coasts um, and make sure that they go earlier and they'll give us more of a northeastern flavor that'll really, you know, tamp down some of the populist elements in the in the plain states in the West. Right. Well, turns out you did that. And who benefited from the Northeast? Donald Trump. Didn't see that coming. So there's quite a lot of un unanticipated consequences that can happen when you start monkeying around with these things. And it'll be very exciting to watch if it if it materialized. The Democrats, by the way, will also need Republican agreement, I believe, in Georgia and Nevada in terms of like changing the dates. But they, they'll, they'll need some cooperation from across the aisle if they're going to actually change in the primaries in those states, too. So they'll have there some is, battles. I mean, I don't know. There is there is no reason for any. uh for anyone to hesitate about this i don't think in either party with the exception of new hampshire it's unambiguously good for for states to go early i mean nevada i think 
wanted to be the earliest state and has a claim on the grounds that its state makeup is very weirdly representative of the country as a as a whole, or certainly of the democratic coalition as a whole. Um, ideologically, this is very interesting because it is an effort to uh, limit the power of the um, in, in the Democratic Party of the woke base. That's what this is about. Iowa and New Hampshire have pushed the party to the left forever, uh, just as weirdly enough, they push the Republican Party to the right. Um, you have they're very unrepresentative. They don't they don't look like the country. And the whole reason that they were privileged in the first place was for something that no longer attains, which is this is a way of leveling the political playing field because these are states that you could run in without money because they're they were so small. And if you were a sort of guerrilla candidacy, you in theory, you know, which as McCarthy showed in '68, even as Pat Buchanan showed in 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 1992, that you could actually go everywhere, do events in towns, do all that without needing money, and that was somehow deemed like fair because otherwise you were just saying whoever raised the most money can can get to win. And now anybody can raise money. I mean, there used to be that there was no way to raise money without a network of donors and stuff like that. And now if you if you catch fire in some fashion, you can raise $100 million on a weekend, no matter who you are. And so the idea that you have to go to a state that's cheap to run in early or two, two or three states that are cheap to run in is no, no longer is 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 like uh anachronistic like it's 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 not a necessary adjunct to doing this in this way and so it makes sense to therefore take a state like south carolina that did represent the moment at which the party's rational wing took over and said no no we're not going to have like this you know 37 year old guy from you know, from South Bend, Indiana, as our nominee for the presidency, when we have the two-time vice president of the United States and someone who was in the Senate for, for you know, for thirty-five years, who's sitting right there, like, don't be. But who is a terrible be... co- candidate? I just have to. Like, she's I'm not the worst. saying he wasn't, but I mean, it was like Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg and Bernie said, like, th- this was not. This was not a rational way to go about this, and so. Well, this shift would help Kamala if she ends up running in 2024, if Biden decides not to run. Having South Carolina first would help her, theoretically. Maybe. Maybe. Although she's just terrible, so. Maybe. <laughs> I, who knows? Who knows whether it would help her or not? We don't We don't know. I mean, we don't know who's going to run. And I, I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, these are all trickier pulls. Also, just because you could win South Carolina and lose Nevada and lose Michigan, you know, I mean. Michigan second, is that right? Did I see In this that? proposal? It would be yeah. um, South Carolina, Nevada, New Hampshire, all at once, then Michigan, then Georgia. Right, but I, so I'll Michigan. miss the moments where where the ridiculous candidates have their hype, their hype, hyped up moment. You know, well, I mean, see, it's interesting right, the bubble it, bursting yeah. portion of the primary. Yeah. So, fun. so imagine, so imagine all a world the fair of, food. Sorry, right. they, they they won't have to eat those disgusting fried Snickers bars on TV anymore. Right. So, imagine a world in which 
Biden doesn't run and the early states are not left-wing states. I mean, for, for, you know, in, in sort of in the democratic understanding of what that is, like for us, they're left-wing states, but they're not left-wing states. What happens in the 20 debates that happen, you know, between, you know, June and February, do people start saying, yeah, I'm going to take your guns away. We're going to tap. We're going to, we're going to raise taxes 10,000. You know, there's going to be no coal. They're not going to talk like that. It's not going to make sense because you can't slingshot your way into the lead by appealing to the far left in the way, in the way that Iowa and New Hampshire sort of almost programmatically forced you to do the entire tenor of the race would be different. Similarly, by the way, if Biden runs and there is some, I mean, I don't think this is really what's going to happen, but I don't think that this all happened in the last week or week and a half. If he were to run and there was some concern that there would be some kind of a challenge to him on the grounds of age, they are structuring this perfectly so that that challenge has no possibility of getting any oxygen. Because, you know, you're going to have three very big states, right, out of those first six right michigan georgia and south carolina are relatively large who are going to make a real uh difference i don't know what the new hampshire stuff means or it doesn't mean the sim in the most profound sense if new hampshire insists on going against the interests of the dnc or whatever and saying that it will you know it'll it'll move its primary to december of 2022 if necessary 2023 if necessary Democratic Party could then simply vote to say that it will not count New Hampshire's delegates, which parties have done um, over time. You know, they've actually punished or penalized states for doing things, particularly when they send two delegates. This is civil rights era stuff where they where where they would send two different delegations and they wouldn't count either of them. It doesn't matter. I mean, that is part of this proposal, as I understand it. If it were to be adopted, yeah, it yeah. would be that your delegates wouldn't count. Right. I mean, that's a you know that's a that's a real that's a real thing um or if you participate in unsanctioned primaries you're participating in unsanctioned debates the party has a vote yeah anyway it's interesting i i you know uh, what 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 republicans do with it is uh they've so far committed committed to the same regular right. primary schedule i mean before, that's what right happened there. in the early 70s right Democrats Whoa. invented the primary system, right. as we understand it, and Republicans followed suit in a cycle later or something like that. I was also trying to remember, are there, I think there are circumstances in which different parties have different primary days in certain states, but I I, I, I try, I spent like 30 seconds trying to look that up, and I, I couldn't figure out the right way to Google it to find it, but I mean, I... I States, I guess, administer prime. They don't have to. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's no particular reason that Republicans and Democrats have to vote on the same primary day. I mean, it's a good organizing principle because it's confusing otherwise. But, you know, I don't know. Um, job numbers are out. They're good, apparently. I mean, uh, they're interestingly good in the way that these things are interestingly good, which is... So it's 260,000 jobs and uh, numbers were revised upwards for previous months, uh, mostly in terms of wage growth. 
So here we get into this classic question of whether or not wage growth for, you know, new employees and all that or employment uh, is a contributor to inflation and therefore will force, uh, you know, the the Fed to continue cracking down. Will that crackdown be good or bad? Will it lead to recession? Are we, in fact, headed for recession? The presumption has been that there will be an inevitable recession next year. Inventories are growing, so there won't be a need to. But But so far, the employment picture is not really showing that um none of us is an economist so i just think i just think we're back we're in a world in which nobody knows anything like anybody who thinks that they can look at the incredibly complex world economy in which we are a, a major but still a but still a you know in percentage terms a minor player even though we're the most important you know minority player is just you know fooling themselves like this is just so complicated and you can't say that it's bad that people's wages are growing in particular since some of that wage growth is necessary well what is well, help will not be a take home yeah it's the inflation they'll they basically will will hopefully cover some of the inflationary costs of the goods right. they rely on i will say i bet i i can i can make one prediction about the economy which is that the Biden administration will claim victory for every small momentary blip that looks positive in the same way that they did by downplaying inflation as it was rising steadily. But a lot of large companies have already announced major layoffs um, across the board for the next year. So a lot of people will be losing their jobs in the next six months. So whatever good news we have, as you say, there's so there's a lot of churn right now. And the fears about recession are still very real and and have you know some heft to them. So th- this is not a period of, of celebration, even though I suspect that that's what we'll be hearing from the White House press secretary. Even more important than that is the fact that the place that layoffs are going to be very severe and it's already started is in the media. So when the media, when there's a lot of layoffs in the world in which the people who write and pub and broadcast and talk about lay- layoffs and recessions and job troubles, when they're feeling it and, you know, like everybody they know is terrified of getting laid off or whatever, uh, that colors the coverage very substantially. And for some reason, media companies are jumping very early in anticipation of an advertising recession uh, hitting them um, and are, you know, like sort of preemptively uh, uh, shrinking their staffs and all of that, I think, in part to shore up their stock prices. Um, but you know, that, that will color, uh, the coverage going forward will make it bleaker, even though the interest would be to, I guess, help ballast, uh, Biden's claims of, you know, great success. All right. Well, I guess that does, that does it for us for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Remember commentary.org slash donate to help us nonprofit institution your donation is tax deductible um and will help us continue to bring this podcast to you uh in the uh in the manner and style to which you become accustomed so for abe noah and christine i'm john potthorts keep the candle burning